Oh, hi, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Fangirl Friday. It's me, Hey Good. This is my conversation with Ben Silver, who is This Is Ben Silver on TikTok. Now, you might be thinking, oh, great, two white dudes talking on a podcast. The world needs way more of that. <laughs> well, that's sort of what we end up talking about. We talk about being white men and looking back and trying to unpack our privilege and trying to frame things from other people's perspectives, as well as what our role as white men is in trying to make a more fair and just society. Anyways, it was a really interesting conversation, I feel, and it was a lot of fun to talk to Ben about all sorts of stuff, so I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Bye! Or, I guess not bye, just more of me talking. So, anyways, enjoy! Kate, do you want to say transition? Transition! Nice. Ben Silver, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. How you doing? I'm okay. You know, the weather was crazy in New York for a little bit with lots of flooding. I got out yeah, with only geez. minor leaks in the window. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I saw you just posted a video saying how many once-in-a-lifetime climate events have you lived through? <laughs> I'm not sure, but it's far more than one. And I guess yeah. you being in New York, that must be very apparent right now. Yeah, and I, I grew up in Connecticut. I was there for college, and we had a big rainstorm like this, and it was a huge thing on campus because the whole campus flooded and just, like, swept cars away. It was chaos. Oh, my gosh. That's so nuts. Yeah, I was just, and I just moved to Georgia, but I was in California during the most recent awful, awful wild or wildfire peak, and it's just, like, that was happening while flooding in New York was happening. It was just... There's no way to wrap your head around it. It's very yeah. strange. And the idea that people aren't just running around screaming like, holy shit, the world's on fire. Like, it's just, it's surreal. <laughs> on on average, if half of the world is on fire and half of it is flooding, then like, uh, uh, it's all okay, just on average. <laughs> exactly. It'll be like the very last scene of The Last Airbender when the water comes up, puts out the <laughs> fires, and then goes back down. <laughs> that's all it's we need really is an avatar <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so you've been on tiktok for how long now that's a great question i think i had a tiktok for a while and um partway through the pandemic probably around when that the gamestop reddit stuff was happening oh yeah 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 that was like the first time that i remember putting any effort into making a tiktok um i wrote a song trying to explain it and so whenever, ooh, whenever that was, February, maybe January, something like that. It's been a weird couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Time is already blurry to me. Yeah. Well, also something that I struggle with on TikTok is, I guess, focusing, which, you know, not necessarily, I don't mean to make that like an ADHD segue, but there are just <laughs> a lot of things worth talking about, you know, mm -hmm. and it's hard because of the way that the TikTok algorithm works. Like if you talk mainly about ADHD and then you bring up climate change or toxic masculinity or something, it'll sort of say, go fuck yourself. But, you know, it's still worth saying it, you know, you're not doing it for the numbers. So it's still worth putting out the content and putting it out there. How do you navigate that? Like, how do you how do you navigate caring about so much? Yeah, um, it's something I've actually been thinking about a lot lately because everyone is talking about some of the changes and I've been quote unquote shadow banned and I've been blocked a lot. Um, so I've been kind of reckoning with that. And I, I'm very lucky that I don't make a living on TikTok. I have like external stuff that I can support myself with so I can afford to just do it for fun. Uh, I always thought that if I was going to get you know, not famous, but if I was ever going to amass a following, it would be on Twitter for all my weird poetic stuff. 
um, happened on TikTok accidentally. And I, I don't know, I'm trying to navigate it because I run into this. I have 236,000 followers, which is tremendous. But I also have very low engagement rates hmm. because, uh, you know, 10% of the people follow me for my mental health talk stuff, 10% for my political hot takes, 10% for my weird jokes and stuff. And so no one video that I make ends up appealing to a big section of my base. So mm. comparatively, I, I don't have a ton of engagement. And it's just, yeah, that's what I wrestle with. I, I My goal is to not make stuff that I wouldn't want to listen to or watch, to just make this stuff. It's It's my therapy. You know, it is my outlet. And it's nice that it is always variable enough that I can keep on TikTok as an outlet, but keep changing it up, hyperfixate on this or that day to day. Yeah, absolutely. I, I something that frustrates me in terms of demographics and like who sees your videos is a lot of times when I make a video about something, I want people that don't agree with me to see it. That's yes. like the point of the video is if you don't already think about things like this or haven't considered things this way. I would like you to know this because I'm lucky enough to have a platform and I would like to talk about this. And it's kind of frustrating when I make a video and just everything is just like, yes, I'm glad someone said this. And it's like, well, me too. But I wish people that needed to hear it would hear it. It's really frustrating. Yeah, I um, I've always been I don't want to say argumentative, um, but before I realized how dominant the ADHD was in my life, I'm realizing now that all of this is just dopamine hits. But I've mm -hmm. always been willing to have big fights with people on the internet because for whatever reason, that isn't the type of thing that drains me like it drains other people. So I might as well do it because dunking on these idiots gives me like a little spike. But I always justified it and said, I know that like if you're someone's racist asshole uncle and you post some shitty meme, uh, I'm going to I'm going to argue with you. I know I'm not going to change your mind, but there are how many people just watching never going to say anything whose mind mm. I might change, who might take something away from this. And it's interesting on TikTok because I do get a blend of just people like hardcore disagreeing, but never intellectually. Uh, yeah. But also a lot of people that are like, oh, thank you for articulating this in a way. And that's what I'm hoping is that they can just paraphrase what I'm saying or whatever and take that in their lives. Yeah, yeah, I guess... the that's something I think about too, in terms of like, I, I suppose, am I talking, if I, I, I don't do a lot of stitches, but I occasionally do. And like a lot of the times when I feel the, compelled to do that, to, to stitch a video to, and to anybody listening to this, who doesn't use TikTok, uh, you should be on TikTok, but also <laughs> stitching is, is basically you play about five seconds of another person's video and respond to it. Um, and whenever I feel the urge to do that, it's usually for two reasons, I think you just sort of added a third that I hadn't articulated, which is sort of ironic given what the third reason you just gave <laughs> me was, is one is if they're gettable. Sometimes it's like, you know, a younger, usually a guy, <laughs> a younger guy who isn't like maliciously toxic, but just all they've ever been exposed to and all the people in their lives that they're trying to impress or that they're afraid of, they're afraid of being socially humiliated by their friends or that their father won't accept them or something like that. They just have to sort of their default is a really shitty opinion. That's yeah. not good and, <laughs> and needs to be not his opinion anymore. And for those people, that video is for them. It's specifically like, Hey, listen, dude, like I know there are a lot of people in your lives telling you these things, but like, 
that's just this small little area. And at some point you're going to leave and you're going to go about the world and you're going to learn that that's a really shitty opinion to have a bigoted opinion to have an ignorant opinion to have. And, you know, it's best to learn that early. So I'm not here to to dunk on you. I'm not here to call you an idiot. I'm just here to, to like show you, Hey, there's other stuff out there. That's not just the people that you're afraid of, or you're trying to impress. Um, yeah, that that is the balance, and I I kind of bounce around depending on my mood. Um, I'm really big on good faith. Oh and yeah. So oh, yeah. like, I end up accidentally doing a lot of serieses where I will post some sort of hot take or whatever, and then I'll get a bunch of people. Uh, you know, hot take. Um, women are fully fledged human beings in their own right. <laughs> right. You can consider that. Watch uh, out, scathing hot take. Yeah, and then I'll get comments on that and if there is one that strikes me as gettable i will respond to it and it's hard to set the tone to make sure that people get that and i'll try to say like hey dude i'm not trying to attack you i i was that person i grew up in a really really conservative environment it wasn't until long after i got to college i became half the man that i am now not that i'm perfect by any means but like it's I'm so frustrated by it because I see what happened to me in a lot of these people, and in some ways I'm more upset at them because I've been on the other side, and I'm I get frustrated. It's like you were so close, like you could just connect these two dots. You could be on our side over here. Yeah, I think something that I legitimately like, literally lose sleep over, is thinking about all the people that are just a couple nudges away from crossing over, you know, not that there's some threshold and where you cross over and all of a sudden you're like a perfectly realized person or whatever, but a person who's just a couple nudges away from not thinking the shitty thing and from being inclusive and being an understanding and compassionate person. And to being open to it. Yeah. And I, one of the most frustrating things in the world to me is when I see like a stitch, you know, so it'll be that person who has the shitty opinion and they're clearly like gettable. You know, yeah. they're clearly like there and they just need a couple of things. They need somebody to not yell at them and just say, hey, have you ever thought about this, dude? Yeah. Um, you'll see that. And then the stitch after that is just fuck this kid. This kid's a piece of shit. Uh, and now that kid, I mean, what I think about often when what I lose sleep over is that it's not like it's not like you're just gaining no ground. You're losing ground. Yeah. Because now you're you've now become a dead, not you, but the, the person in this hypothetical that I'm posing. You that per you you now become a data point against that person evolving because now they see oh the people that think that thing are fucking dicks like I can't possibly right. agree with them because that guy's an asshole you know especially if there's some toxic masculinity going on in which case you can never surrender to the enemy yeah. know, or whatever yeah and that fucking bothers me so much like some people <sighs> are gettable we have to acknowledge that dunking on somebody is not always the best thing and yeah. I. I I so I have a I my undergraduate degree is in computer science and cool. I'm sure that lots of people have heard this phrase but we talk about it a lot um in programming it's garbage in garbage out hmm. it doesn't matter how good your process or product or whatever you're making is if you give it bad data you're going to get trash results hmm. and one of the things that's actually comforted me cuz I used to lose sleep over how I considered myself to not have been a good person previously um, but then I go back and I, I look at stuff that I wrote when I was, you know, 14 or 15 or whatever. And I see like, oh, it was it was there. My ethics were always here. My determination to make an equitable world and a just world were always there. I just had 
the I just had fake information. Mm. And so, yes, if you take these things as fact, then it makes sense to say, oh, uh, I'm I'm I don't hate black people. Um, I have black friends. I don't hate gay people. I just think that gay marriage should be regulated by the states or that I'm fiscally the thing that kills me is I'm oh, uh, yeah. fiscally conservative but socially liberal. Mm-hmm. That was the big connection point for me when I realized that you cannot disentangle social and economic issues. Mm-hmm. And then it was like a light bulb moment of oh I've been a harmful person and I'm very fortunate that I have a lot of people in my life that whether they meant to or not just like took the time to do some labor uh to to connect the dots for me. So I try to, if I can do that for somebody else. Oh, yeah. And I think that, that that second reason to, I guess, respond to things that I was talking about is sometimes, well, I think for one, I think the point of garbage in, garbage out, a lot of these people are thinking rationally. Yes. It's just the information that they have is fucking, yeah, is garbage. Like if you truly believed, I was thinking this um, uh, during 20, the, 2020 election when the whole caravan fucking thing came up oh, again. Yeah. Um, like if you truly believed that hundreds of thousands of murderers were marching towards right. your house, of course you would be like, oh my God, we need to do everything possible to stop that from happening. Yeah. Like that's a rational thing. That's absolutely not what's happening. Yeah. But if you believe that to be true, then of course that's how you would respond. Yep. And so how do you, the question is when I think some of somebody is being too far gone, which I is I I think can be the case. Some people are yeah. too far, or at least too far gone to be have their mind at least at, in any way swayed by a TikTok. Um, it's the idea that they can't realize that that's false information. It's not that they're necessarily unethical, although that's totally a ca- the case yeah. a lot of the time. Sometimes it is a person thinking rationally, thinking and behaving rationally, and even ethically. Just the information they have is completely false. And when I think of getting those people, it has to start with changing that information from completely false information to correct information yeah i i believe very strongly in like in that the right is built largely on hypocrisy and fear tactics and that most progressive policies are things that if you don't like tell somebody this is a progressive idea if you just talk to very conservative people on the street they are like oh that sounds like a great idea then you rip the mask off and it's like a a leftist dream yeah but uh you said two things one is one is like can we agree is there something we can agree on what is a fact and because i'm convinced that any anything that would benefit your life is a is a progressive ideal so let's see what do you think are facts and if we can find something that we agree on then i can use your information to talk about it but then the second thing that you said is on tiktok in in one minute (laughs) chunks maybe three if you're fancy but uh it's hard i i don't speak to my parents anymore for a lot of complicated reasons but one of the last times that i ever talked to my mother i did this i i was talking to her um and we were agreeing on information we were talking about voter suppression and voter id laws and i got her to the point where i said like do you believe this do you agree with this therefore 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 and we get to the end and i'm like okay so so now you understand why voter id laws are racist and she said yeah i just still think that dot 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 and i was mm. like that's that this is where we can't have a relationship going forward anymore because i can't blame you for 
for being ignorant. I, I can't blame anybody for not knowing something ahead of time. It's how you respond to the information. And if you admit to me that you understand why what you're doing is harmful, and then you choose to continue doing it, that's where I, you know, it's not that I hate you or anything. It's like, I just only have so much time and energy in the day. I, I'm busy saving the world. Like, trying anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's that, because that's not something that you can necessarily just convince someone of, to be a more ethical person. Right. Um, I saw on some platform, I mean, the internet all blurs together at some point, but I saw on yeah. some platform, Somebody saying, I'm just fucking exhausted of trying to explain to people why you should give a fuck about other people. Yeah. Like, I just don't know how to do that. What is the argument there? Like, at some point, it eventually just rests on, I'm a human and you're a human, and I don't want you to needlessly suffer. And yep. oftentimes when I, you know, am in the shower having fake conversations in my head with, you know, a hypothetical, you know, whatever person. Yep, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I keep, I, I, event I always find myself zooming really the fuck far back yeah. to eventually to the point of can we agree that a person shouldn't needlessly suffer that we should right. reduce the amount of human suffering can we agree yeah. on that um and i think i i've seen examples of this on uh you know uh, somebody goes incognito to a trump rally and yeah. pretends to be fox and they try to get people to say funny things or whatever walter um, matheson yeah exactly walter matheson uh, uh the 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 daily show correspondent i can't remember uh, uh Jordan something Kleppers. Jordan Klepper, that's the one. Klepper. Um, but uh so many of them seem to start from a place of I disagree with you, no matter just I disagree with you. And people will say something that is contrary to what I think they believe because they think of dis or agreeing with the person that they're arguing with or having a conversation with as being a sign of weakness, especially yes. when it comes to men. Um and I yeah. think when it, you know, when I've been in many circumstances where I'm trying to, you know, zoom way out and eventually, you know, try to get to that, that common ground. Can we agree that, you know, everybody who is eligible to vote should be able to vote? You know, if you're like, just whatever, what, what eligibility means is that's a whole other conversation. Yep. But just can we agree that if you are eligible to vote, you should be able to vote? Hopefully the person would say yes. But I've been in circumstances where because I said it, they are going to disagree with me. Because they view right, because me as the they enemy. think it's an angle. They think it's an angle, and they can see the the trap coming. And so I think it's immensely important. And I th I see this on TikTok occasionally, in your content especially, um, that if you choose your language carefully, if you position yourself very carefully, not as being an opposer to this person, even if you totally do, but more of just like I'm just showing you a path that you can choose to go down, trying to get them to convince, trying to trying to get them to maintain some sense of agency. Then they're much willing, much more willing to go down that line of logic. But how do so the question for me is always, how do I get them to not disagree with me before I even start talking? And I think you and I, being white men, have this opportunity to start there. So how do you navigate that, given that we are what we look like, you know, white 20 somethings, and we can get that in with a toxic man for a second, and maybe we can get them to listen for just a second. How do you choose your language then? Like what's your uh, tactic? Yeah, I mean, what you said something earlier that was there's a lot of loosely related yeah, thoughts. Yeah, no, this was a few minutes. Ago. Okay, so I, I wanted to circle back to this, and this is the time to do it. It's um, we if we can, I'm very confident. I know that I am a very, very smart, very, very articulate person. Uh, I don't have a ton of 
confidence in other realms of my life, but that's the one thing I've always been able to rely on. So I am pretty comfortable just throwing down the challenge. Uh, and that's why I can be so aggressive or confrontational in my arguments is because I take them as a challenge to constantly be honing them. So I know that I'm right. Um, and so I can step back and say, like, you take the first hit. Like, you, mm. you set the stage and I will meet you on your terms. What's the challenge? You can kind of divide and conquer. And if you avoid the, the sort of the political language, quote unquote, which shouldn't be political, uh, like I was saying, if you just talk to them on their own terms with their own vocabulary, you can pull the mask off and say, haha, you've been a progressive this whole time. Welcome, welcome to the club, comrade. Um, it can be difficult because a lot of uh, conservative ideas are based on othering. Mm. So it's based on fear. And at the end of the day, it's about being part of the group way more than it's being about logic. Mm -hmm. We all, I think we forget this a lot of time, like, oh, wow, great dunk. You, you pointed out how uh, the, you, you found some hypocrisy in the Republican Party. Now they're totally going to change. <laughs> like, no, that's not going to happen. But uh, I, I wrestle with, because I did, I came up through this really conservative small town, very, very conservative father, like tons of internalized homophobia and misogyny and um just trying to come out of that i can sometimes relate to where these people are be like i was there before and sometimes you have to engage in in problematic discourse this is a conversation i was having recently where it's it's problematic to use the argument like because she's someone's daughter right because that frame that centers uh the man instead of the woman in whatever mm -hmm. you're talking about like you you shouldn't assault someone because she's someone's daughter what if that was your daughter that's hugely problematic but also it's like sometimes the only way to get somebody to connect those dots mm -hmm. and i think we forget there's like baby steps that we have to take i forget this all the time like it's easy for me to say this right now in the, the calm comfort of our zoom meeting but uh yeah and now i've just been rambling for a little bit but it's a podcast it's what it's for yeah. <laughs> it's an adhd podcast uh, uh, right uh well i was actually i was talking about this bit of my twitch stream earlier today um that it would be really fucking nice if we could you know engage with some toxic man and i'm, I'm framing it around toxic man just because that's that's like I think We're that's experts in well i'm an ex exactly yeah i've been I've, i'm like the jane goodall of, of toxic men um but uh, it would be really nice if we could explain to them, like, oh, no, you shouldn't assault a woman because she's someone's daughter. You shouldn't assault them because they're a fucking person yeah, and you shouldn't yeah, assault yeah. people. You know, it would be really nice if we lived in a world where that was an effective argument. Unfortunately, very often, the oftentimes it's not. You have to say because they're someone's daughter. But ultimately, the goal is to get them to not hurt people. So, yes, right. you know, if somebody's mortally, if somebody's wounded, the first thing you got to do is stop the bleeding, you know? Yeah. Um, and so an argument that I, you know, have found some success in, in having conversation with toxic men, Jane Goodalling, you know, um, is showing them, unfortunately, compassion is not going to work right now. Hopefully at some point, it'll get to a point where you can appeal to their humanity and, and it'll work. But right now they're a 20 year old college student who's, you know, thumping their chest, trying to figure out who they are, whatever the hell. Um, and the, the, the argument that I've had the most success with them with is showing them that toxic masculinity, of course I don't use that term because that shuts them right the fuck down immediately, 
um, or in the patriarchy. Of course, I don't use that term because that shuts them the fuck down immediately. Yeah. But that behavior, showing them that that behavior really fucks them over too. Yes. That tends to work. And I hate that that's how you, you got to do it, but you got to stop the bleeding. My, I'm trying to get this right. guy to not hurt people. You because know? It, is, it is absolutely true. I say this all the time that um, the biggest problems that women face in society are men. And the biggest problems that men face in society are men. Are men, yeah. And, but also, like, the problems that men face in society are broadly not as big, complicated, or pervasive. So like focusing on that, I used to do um, Movember where I would like shave for charity to raise money and awareness for men's mental health issues, which is very true, important and good. And I care about that a lot. But I wrestle with that. Like, this is a problem that men cause. We, we shut ourselves off emotionally. So we have profoundly unhealthy relationships, which means we rely too strongly on our partners and then we die earlier and we have anger problems and we also get cancer because we think that if a doctor puts their finger in our butt for a second we're gay and being gay is the worst possible thing you could be like these are all toxic ideas about men from men for men yeah but that's also such a small as it's not i wouldn't say it's not it's not 50 percent of the problems in the world like i think it's more pressing uh, I think that we have to com- we have to police our own communities. This is a, a conversation I have a lot on my Almost TikToks. Yeah, holding other men accountable that you don't get to say uh, I had nothing to do with that. I'm that that man is just a child. I have nothing to do with that. Yeah, therefore. the the no true Scotsman argument. You just made yeah. a video about that. I'm constantly talking about no true Scotsman. <laughs> well, I think I, I think I correct me if I'm wrong, but, but but I believe what you were saying is sort of. That the men's issues form that's a it's a smaller a smaller group of problems than the massive problems that other marginalized or that marginalized groups face because men aren't necessarily marginalized as a group. Yeah. Is that roughly what you're saying? I don't want to misinterpret you. Yeah. Ethically, if if men are all of men's problems and men are all of women's problems, and men have the power to change both of those, I think it's probably ethically more important for us to fix the issues we cause for women. Because they have no agency in that at all. Like, I have limited agency within the hierarchy of the patriarchy to change things, but I also still have the privileges of it as well. So, the people that are most hurt, like when you go to the ER, if you have a broken finger and somebody comes in with a stab wound, like, it doesn't matter. There's no, I was here first. It's like we we prioritize. Right. yeah, I think I think it's sort of um I guess as Bill and I would say an everything all at once kind of thing. Like uh or I'm going to do an analogy on the fly which is always a risky bet for for me cuz sometimes it goes off the rails. But let's say there's an ER and there's all sorts of different problems coming in range from you know ranging in severity. Um but they've roughly all stemmed from the fact that there's a war going on yes. outside of the hospital. Of course, in the hospital, you got to treat the people who are the worst wounded first, because of course mm-hmm. you do. But you also got to stop that fucking war. Yes. And I truly believe, I don't necessarily have the data to say fully this, but the vast fucking majority of all of the problems in the world, and I mean all, can some way be related back to a toxic man, an insecure man who doesn't know how to deal with their emotions. 
Yo, absolutely. And if if for no other reason, and there are many other reasons, but if for no other reason that then we exist in a deeply patriarchal society where men have been at the helm. Like people think that privilege is uh an active uh aggressive op- uh, oppression and it's not so much of it is just passive it's accidental mm-hmm. it's not considering there are how many times do you see uh, a news article that is like tv show did some stupid stereotype or whatever it's not that the, the comics in the room were trying to be offensive to women or whatever it's just that there's no woman in the room mm-hmm. there's no perspective they're just missing that perspective that lived experience and no that there's no and that's it <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it's i think it's it's privilege from having to think about something something privilege from not having to to think about something i mean i when if you're out out and about with a woman and it's late at night like i can walk around in most neighborhoods at night you know, I'm I'm six foot two and and relatively broad. Like I'm fine in most circumstances. I don't have to think about it, and that's the, that's the whole thing is I don't have to think about it. I and, all the time. Yeah. I mean, oh, there's a, a fucking um, I want to say a Far Side comic, but I don't know. It was one of those one panel comics. Um, but it was uh, it was a comic of two eagles uh, sitting next to each other in armchairs, like clearly like a married couple or something like that. It was two eagles. They were sitting there in their armchairs reading the paper, and one eagle turns to the other and says, like. Hey, have you ever had problems with Mr. Owl? And the other eagle goes, No, not at all. Mr. Owl has always been perfectly nice. And he goes, Huh. And like there's a panel of blank. And then the last panel is, I have no idea what that mouse was talking about. Right, exactly. And I think that's the whole thing is we don't see things. Like there, the amount of times I remember, I was probably, I remember the first time I, well, I don't remember specifically, but I remember the period in my life when I realized that the men that I know, or I guess it would have been like boys at the time, like sixth or seventh grade. The men, but the male, the, the boys, the men that I know are not the same people around others than they are with me. Yeah. Around me, that is a different person. Exactly. Code switching um, uh, and them not exa- acknowledging their privilege that, you know, when they walk into a room and shut a woman up or something like that with their, you know, toxic boisterousness or whatever, they don't even realize they're doing it. They're not doing it intentionally. They just don't have to think about it because that's what they get to do. And then realizing, holy shit. I do the I probably do a bunch of that shit too that yeah. I'm not aware of and I got to start unpacking all that and you you know you're never done unpacking all that shit right that it, has been my I don't want to say most recent but but that's probably been the hardest thing to work on and I actually I made a video about um gentle parenting last night uh, talking about why people get so defensive about it and it's because any idea that forces you to confront that you might not be the best version of yourself means that you have to entertain the idea of doing more hard work mm-hmm. and retroactively looking back at what you may consider to be a flawless record. Oh and yeah. And I uh I think a lot about do you remember the Aziz Ansari article? Uh was it about after after the allegations against him and 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 all that stuff or Yeah, so in sort of like immediately after like the Louis CK Me Too movement, Aziz Ansari got canceled quote unquote who knows if he seems to be doing fine but my problem with that is that he got swept up in it and to me it was an opportunity for us to learn because he didn't uh assault anybody physically viciously he was in a situation where a woman reasonably from her vantage point felt coerced and he 
just could not recognize that. And that's a thing that I have to grapple with, that if you are alone with me, I know that I'm never going to hurt you. You don't know that. And so you have to be more cautious. And I'm very like aware of this. I didn't drink all through college. And so I had to try to figure out ways to impress girls because I'm not trying to kiss drunk girls, right? <laughs> so I would I would break and enter on the academic side of campus, getting onto the rooftops and stuff. And I'm realizing now that like, yeah, I kissed a lot of I kissed a lot of people under the stars in what I consider to be this beautiful romantic scene on top of the the roof of the science center. But now I look back and it's like, oh, that girl was alone with me. And if I made a move, she might be uncomfortable saying no or rebuking it. And I wouldn't want someone to do that. And that's like, that is something to grapple with that I have probably unintentionally gained. Like, I've probably had kisses that someone in another situation might not have given me. I benefit. I don't want to say benefit. I have all of this context around me that I have always been blind to and now I'm trying to really be cognizant of. Boy, that Eric sure talks a lot, doesn't he? Hi, it's me, Katie Soros, and welcome to the middle of the episode. If you've gotten this far, maybe uh, go take a water break or something. I also want you to know that moments before I started recording this, Eric dropped an entire glass of iced coffee all over the carpet, and I'm stressed out about it. Hey, if you enjoy hearing Eric talk, and also me talk sometimes, (laughs) consider supporting our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash infinitequest. And our Patreon allows us to continue our mission of advocacy and education and having important conversations just like this one. Um, So if you're interested, go check it out. Uh, And if not, you know, just help us spread the word. Uh, Send us to your friends. Uh, Send us to your enemies. We're not particularly picky in that capacity. Uh, But yeah, that's all I got. Back to the episode. Transition. Uh, David Foster Wallace gave a commencement speech somewhere, um, but the speech he gave is has been sort of affectionately named "This Is Water." Um, YouTube, "This Is Water." It's 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 great. Um, this isn't, of course, a full throated endorsement of David Foster Wallace as a person and all that. No, 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 no. Um, but he he introduced an idea that I think about frequently, or he, more so, he told a joke that I think about frequently, um, which is uh, it's my favorite joke. It's two young fish are swimming along in the ocean. When an older fish swims past them, as the older fish swims past, it says, hey, boys, how's the water? And the young, young fish keeps swimming. And after a little while, one of the young fish turns to the other and says, what the fuck is water? And I think the point of the joke is that some things are so everywhere and so ubiquitous and so everything that it, it takes a lifetime to notice unless somebody points it out to you. And I think because our male privilege is so everywhere like i have i have and always will only have this body that i have every room i've ever walked into every situation i've ever been in every rooftop i mean i've when you started telling the story about the root like i'm going back to like high school like oh yeah you know we used to go up on the roof of the old abandoned thing like which to me was all cool and romantic but to them 
they're walking they're going to an abandoned place no one yeah no one could hear you scream yeah with a six foot tall dude you know like just holy shit like it didn't even cross my mind to think about that until it started people started to point it out to me and all of a sudden it all starts to make sense and i think we have an obligation to recognize the water in ourselves first and foremost and also of course others in police or in communities because all men exist in that water and it's not something that's easy to notice unless another fish swims past you and says hey how's the water today and even even at that point you still have to do a lot of reflection to try exactly. to figure out what the hell water even is you know exactly and it goes back to the the no true scotsman fallacy it was so easy for everybody to see that article about aziz ansari and just be like yep that dude sucks he's canceled what is a much more difficult thing to do is to say oh this is a perfect example of everything that I need to introspect on this. It's mm-hmm. really easy to say he's not like me. He's not a true Scotsman. He, we can cancel him and just be done with it. It's like, mm-hmm. no, he's, he is an example of the issue. He isn't the issue. Oh, yeah. So there, there's, there's something that I want to apologize first, uh, dear listener. My thoughts are still taking shape on this. So here, come, stay tuned for some rambling. <laughs> we should, never mind on Fangirl Fridays. It's just be Eric Rambles forever. Um, but I think that idea that there are those, you know, not true Scotsmen, um, which, which just to clarify, the no true Scotsman fallacy, I as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, is basically, you know, the idea that like, oh, you know, men don't sexually assault people, boys do, because no real man, whatever. It's like, no, they're men and we need to shut that shit down, you know? So no true Scotsman is that, just for, for context. Um, but I think... One, when we say, oh, there are these like racists in the world or rapists in the world or sexual assaulters in the world, thinking of it as that huge binary of like there are the evil ones and we need to find out who they are and ostracize them from society. One that protects us from observing ourselves, from going, holy shit, have I done? No, because clearly I'm not an awful, awful, horrible, you know, Bill Cosby level rapist. So clearly I'm fine. So, well, that's not the discussion here. You know, it absolves us from having to do that very difficult self-reflection. Um, but also, also, and this is the thing that I have a hard time articulating and I'm still working on, um, largely for the reasons that I'm trying to articulate. It breeds a fear in us that we will be thought about as one of those other people if we do start to examine the things that we've done. Yes. So if I were to, you know, if somebody were to say, Eric, are you racist? I would say, well, they mean racist like, am I a Klansman? You know, am I like yeah. a caricature racist? In which case, of course, no. Do I have racial prejudices? Fucking of course I do. Like, of course I do. It would be it would be ignorant for me to say that I don't. Exactly. But I'm afraid. I mean, I do say that, but it's it's a scary thing to do to admit. Oh, yes, I I, I am a little bit racist. or I have racial prejudices. Oh, yes. Looking back, I have been a problematic man. Yep. And it makes in our fear from from admitting that is 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 making the problem just more and more calcified onto society because we're so afraid because of this weird on off switch of either you're like a perfect saint or you're evil. Yes. We're so afraid of being shifted into that evil camp and being attacked from our own people that we don't acknowledge the shitty things that we've done. And it makes it much more difficult to quell these problems, to, 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 to get men to stop causing so many fucking problems in the world. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of, context and nuance and i know if you scroll through any of my social media it might look like i am a very absolutist about many things and i i am i tend to be very absolutist about very specific things 
um, because it's easier to contextualize those. But there's two sides of that, the Aziz Ansari article. There are the people that we like consider themselves to be good, progressive feminist men men who would just like say like oh i would never do that and there are also the people on the other side who will think oh i'm i myself am a good person and they'll see that article and they'll be like this this is crazy i've been in that situation a million times therefore it must be fine it's like you're one step away from being like oh i've been in that situation a million times and it's really easy to just dismiss it from either side and it's like it frankly i can sit here and and talk about being a good ally and being ethically and equitably focused uh and i try to but it's also very difficult to to practice i am hugely reflexive and defensive i am stubborn I, I wrestle a lot with my ADHD of I know that I have always taken up a ton of space in a room. Mm-hmm. I am going to fill it. Part of that is because I'm compulsively afraid of silence. Um, part of that is because I was never conditioned to consider how much space I was taking up as a as a white man. Part of it was a mild hearing condition where uh, I didn't know I had until last year where I was always louder than I thought I was. And people Mm. always thought I was yelling and I was just speaking at a level that I could hear. And all of these things add up. And so I sit in a room and I, I try actively to keep my volume down, to bite my tongue and give other people a chance. I'm also very, very quick witted. So in the classroom or whatever, like growing up, it's like very hard to not just jump up and answer the question. And that is taking space up. And that is that is taking the oxygen away from somebody else. And it's really easy to recognize that on paper. But like I sit there and I, I'm doing it and I'm trying to practice it. It's it's like piloting a spaceship you've never piloted. Yeah. Versus I, one that you have piloted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, the one in the garage. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know. I love that you use, you use the term practice. Um, so I, I have a history of, of, of music. Um, that I have a lot of baggage with, so I won't get too into it. But um, I have a history of music, and the concept of practice is a very important one to me, if sometimes uh, troublesome in my head. But I think we undervalue the concept of practice as a society, and I think we should use the term much more deliberately to mean sucking at something for a while, <laughs> basically, but still doing it del- deliberately such to get better. Because I think a lot of the the mental work that needs to be done to unpack one's own privilege and one's own toxicity and 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 how much space space that we've taken up because I was the same way you know I was a tall charismatic ADHD guy so I could always make the room laugh I could always you know even if I didn't know the answer sometimes I would raise my hand just because I was trying to say a funny thing or something like that and I was not aware that there was another kid who's timid who's probably maybe less privileged than me who knows the answer and wants to be engaged but some fucking you know some kid over there is always just taking up the space but I think the mental work that comes with unpacking all of that is extremely useful, necessary, and absolutely um, essential, but only if matched with practice, is we have to actually take that extra step of what does that look like? What does understanding the space that I take look like, and how do I practice that in my everyday life? For, like, for me, it's a lot of times not saying the thing that I'm thinking even though I want to. It's a, it's a simple one. But it's a big one. I mean, one of the big sort of shattering moments 
for me was not only when I realized how privileged I was, but it was when I realized how privileged my father was. Because I sort of, my, my dad's a great guy and he's successful in a lot of things and I look up to him in a lot of ways. And he wasn't monetarily, like financially uh, privileged. I mean, he was, but you know, his parents weren't rich and all that, but he wasn't poor. Um, but he was a tall, charismatic, smart white dude. And so, you know, there's this story where he, um, he got his job at the uh, uh, National Sports Daily, I think, in the 80s. He dressed up as a delivery man and uh, said, I have a package for the CEO and went to like the top floor. And then in the elevator, he took off like his delivery man uniform like movie. Exactly. And he was wearing a suit under it. Yeah. And that's like how he just walked in and, and, you know, went. But he could only do that because when he walks into a room, people assume he's supposed to be there. And realizing that privilege that he had was like another big punch for me. And there was one time we were in the car on some family road trip and my mom was telling a story. And my dad just, my, oh, my dad, who also has severe ADHD, by the way, it's where I get it from. Um, we were driving past something and in the middle of my mom talking, he just blurts out this observation that he has. That, it was an interesting observation. You know, it wasn't, it was like, oh yeah, that is. Um, and my mom says, you know, Carl, would you, you know, would you stop interrupting me? My dad said, well, the thing that I was going to say was only interesting if I said it right now, as the thing was going by, you know, like it was only interesting right now. What was I supposed to do? And then I said, not, you know, not to say that I have like this infinite wisdom, but it was like, I realized something in the moment too. It was like, well, dad, you know, sometimes you don't get to say the thing. You just don't. And so for me, a big part of unpacking my privilege is, is especially as like a charismatic ADHD, tall white dude is realizing that just because I know I probably could jump up and say the observation that I think is clever and witty and interesting, even though I probably could get away with that. And sure, people might laugh. I fucking shouldn't. I just I shouldn't take up that oxygen right now. I should just practice moderation in that. And I think realizing those concrete, actionable ways that we can fight our own toxicity and also especially others is really important. Yes, everything comes at the expense of something else. Every moment that I'm speaking is a moment that someone else can't speak. And every moment that I interrupt is potentially an opportunity to, de not an opportunity, is, is, an, is an instance of derailing someone else who then might lose the next minute's worth because they can't remember what they're about to say. Mm. And that example is actually something I wrestle with really hard because it exemplifies the, the two sides of privilege that we don't really talk about as much as I think we should. One is the levels of it. My father was a street rat, heroin addict, dirt poor, orphan, uh, disabled in the military, abandoned by the system, uh, by all means should be the kind of guy that you would expect to be really liberal. And my mom, uh, my parents are older than, like my parents are my, most of my friends' grandparents' age. So my grandparents were like depression era, so they were hoarders. They were these like just quiet... Um, Oh my god, I can't remember the word. Stoic. They were these stoic old Jewish depression era uh hoarders. And I grew up thinking like I couldn't possibly hate black people. All of my, I I grew up in an inner city. All of my friends are black. And so therefore nothing I do could be harmful or detrimental to the black community. And I my this is a thing my mom always says like, "Oh, well we didn't have anything growing up so where's our privilege where's our privilege it's a spectrum because i walk into the room and you know we we moved to a town that was a little bit richer than we could afford but we we bought like a beat up beat up old house that we we're fixing up and people don't know that though i walk into the room and you assume things about me so 
regardless of whether I am poor, I'm, we talk about passing a lot. I'm, even if you're, um, like I'm, I'm, uh, rich passing, I guess Mm -hmm. like people wouldn't assume that I was poor just like walking in the room because of how I speak, uh, like I have an eloquence, but then the other, the harmful side of that for me is getting the benefit of the doubt is not always a good thing. You talk about um, being like a, a charismatic ADHD kid in school, and I had that very same experience, and I often wonder if I was a little bit slower, like just not as quick-witted, if I was a little bit less charismatic, if I was a little bit less white, there's a world where I'm face down in a gutter because I always got the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. How many teachers passed me when they should have failed me because they were like, he'll be fine, he's clearly a smart enough kid, he's he'll do it. How many times did uh, people give me a second chance because they could tell that I was I could do it? How many times did I literally never do homework for years and years and years, but I just crutched on in-class participation and being good at test-taking? But that's also harmful because I failed upwards my whole life. There's, I often wonder if I should go back and find my teachers and ask them, like, you knew that I was a, a broken ADHD ridden kid, even if I didn't, why didn't you report this? Like there's, there's a world I should have been medicated way before I was 28 or whatever. There's like, that's harmful to me that, that getting the benefit of the doubt, I failed upwards. And now I've hit a ceiling. I feel like in a lot of aspects of my life where, because I never had the boundaries set because I never had anybody say like, Oh, maybe we should, do something about this kid uh i failed upwards i always had the benefit of the doubt and now i don't know how to fail i don't know how to not be immediately good at something i don't know how to write a research i got into grad school having never written a research paper having uh just kind of bullshitted my way through writing in college and all of a sudden it's like oh no you're in a grad school level writing program you we're not taking the time to to teach you like you already have to be there uh so there are ways that it holds us back i know i just rambled for like five minutes but it's like that <laughs> is the the other side of the the patriarchy and the systems that uphold oppression they are holding us back in the long run even if in the moment it seems like a good thing oh yeah absolutely it, it kind of goes back to the, the what we were talking about earlier um uh that Sometime, well, that those those problem these problematic structures that exist, uh, the patriarchy, the immense amount of privilege surrounding every man. I mean, not the same amount of privilege, of course, but by nature levels, of course, um, that that fucks everybody over. I, I was much the same. I I always only ever had to be sort of good enough. I could talk my way through the rest. I always had to be pretty good good enough to get my foot in and then i could charm who i needed to charm um i could you know uh, i hesitate to use the word code switch because i've never had to code switch again a privilege um but i could talk the language of the usually the man in charge to make it think like i was the son he never had or his friends from high school or the grandson he never had or whatever i could charm my way through the rest and now doing you know running this podcast doing this with katie now there is no one to charm. Well, there are plenty. There's no one to charm. I don't have a boss. There's no, you know, teacher I can convince to give me a better grade by sitting afterwards and whatever. I just have to perform. 
I just have to actually know my shit and actually do the work. And I'm struggling. And part a lot of that is 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 my fault, but a lot of it is yeah, is teachers being like, you know, teachers buying into my bullshit. I shouldn't have been bullshitting in the first place. That's totally on me. Most of this is on me. But still, I was allowed to get away with that for a long time. And again, I I cannot stress enough that I do not mean to put the blame on other people here. It's it's mostly me. But it is true that this system of letting people that look like me just sort of slip on by. Now I'm 27 and it's like I'm okay at a lot of things, partially ADHD related, but partially because I never had to be really good to succeed. Massive. Yes. That is such a beautiful articulation, although I do I do kind of want to push back on some of that. Like I was a I was a kid. I was, you know, in elementary school, in middle school, even in high school, you know, our brains don't fully develop until we're 25. You're you're barely old enough to have settled brain chemistry i'm right a little, I'm, i just turned 32 um but a lot of that is looking back and sort of re resenting and holding institutions accountable it's not about individuals it's about institutions being failed by the system i had a moment a couple years ago i was talking to my psychiatrist i had been approached my parents had been approached about adhd when i was a kid they were like we think ben has adhd we should get this checked out. And my dad did the the stereotypical, like, you're not going to drug my kid just because you can't keep him entertained or whatever. And then I forgot about it for 25 years. And then I have a bipolar disorder as well, which I always thought was my, like, governing day-to-day -day thing. And I'm, I realized, thankfully, uh, and partially through TikTok, that no, ADHD is what governs my day-to-day -day more often than not. Uh, I have a joke where I say I was diagnosed with ADHD a long time ago but it was only recently i was diagnosed with no seriously <laughs> yeah i remember i, I saw that I, I very much agree with that yeah um but where was i going with this do 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 do, do. oh adhd is as as your your day-to-day -day. as my day-to-day -day. oh so i was i got into grad school and i went to psychiatry to a psychiatrist to get medicated for my mood regulation for a bipolar disorder and for anxiety and over the course of the years that I saw her before she left, uh, she moved, I, I was telling her one day I was like struggling and she said, hey, has anyone ever talked to you about ADHD? And I had this like lightning bolt flashback to being like five years old and, and bearing witness to this conversation uh, that my parents were having with the school administrator and like, oh, actually, yeah, now that you mention it, yes. Um, so we started doing things like, you know, I had ritalin was not the best like but the first time that i took ritalin i sat down and i did a grad school research paper and i spent a day and a half just sobbing oh man because yeah. i was hit with the full realization that i suffered like needlessly for 25 years or whatever that like there's this one little pill that could have helped me so much and like the arrogance of my father and the the ignorance or the laziness of my teachers who thought they were doing a good thing, who I until then thought had done me favors, they had just, again, not failed me upward, but just pushed me through because I seemed okay, because I seemed like I would get through it. And so there is, I think, some accountability to be had in the systems. Like, we shouldn't be blaming children for uh, doing what they have learned to do conditionally uh, for adapting. 
I fully agree. <laughs> I'm sorry to, 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 to end this right during a very interesting point. Um, but Katie's got an interview and we share an office. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But uh, Ben, thank you so much for being here. Uh, do you want to, is there anything you want to shout out? Any projects you're working on? Any, anything? Uh, yeah, you can find me. I, I spend most of my time hanging out on TikTok these days. Uh, I am at, this is Ben Silver everywhere. Um, you know, the big three, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, TikTok. I don't have any specific projects, but people are always hounding me. So I promise eventually I will start one to four different podcasts and eventually I will put out an album and eventually I will do everything else. But until then, just hang out with me on, on TikTok. Hey, man, you don't have to do all those things. You're just fine. I promise. Oh, I, I just I, I want to. I'm 30 percent done to 60 to 90 percent done with. You know, <laughs> I know what you mean. You're, I'm sitting next to 10 different half-inch models. Um, yep. Anyways, Ben, thank you so much for being here and uh, have a lovely day. Thank you so much. Anytime, you too. And that's it. Thank you so much for being here. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. We're going to start doing Fangirl Fridays much more often, preferably every single week, which is uh, a lot. But, you know, we can handle it. Next week, we're going to have Odd Pride on. She's the hot, fresh knowledge for your brain person on TikTok. So uh, I'm really excited for that one. In fact, I'm actually about to record it in like 20 minutes. So uh, I'm a little bit nervous. But anyways, uh, hopefully that goes all right. <laughs> anyways, thank you so much for being here. Again, we do have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash infinite quest if you want to help support us. Uh, and uh, come back uh, next week for some more of that good, good content to I just, I just have to keep talking until the outro music is, is gone. There's also no Patreon song on this episode because if we do it more than once a week, it's just going to be like one person. So, you know. Anyways, oh, it's fading out now. Okay. Bye, everybody.